The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and here's your top five at five. Could Santa finally be putting away his stock sleigh, and is the big little run done? Futures, they're flat to slightly lower. Big tech taking a hit the worst day in a month. Some say the great rotation is now on as rates rise. Apple caught flat-footed as another giant prepares to jump into the EV space. A victory lap, some insider buying paying off in a big way. The big-name stock we highlighted weeks ago, that is up 20% since. And later on, why Beyond Meat is really cooking today. Perhaps it has something to do with 11 herbs and spices. It is Wednesday, January 5th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and greetings from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us. And maybe fire up some boss today, because on this day, 49 years ago, Bruce Springsteen released his first album, Greetings, from Asbury Park, New Jersey. The rest, as they say, is history. So why don't we see what kind of history we might make on this day? Futures? Not giving us a real clear indication. They are mixed to maybe somewhat slightly lower either way. There is a big rotation that is going on in stocks right now. At least the last few trading sessions, industrials and energy being bought, tech mostly, but not always, but mostly being sold. The NASDAQ having its worst day since mid-December on Tuesday. Rising rates on government bonds, one big reason for this switch. Yields on the 5, 10, and 30-year bonds, they're on the move higher. Why do you care? When yields move up, that generally cuts the ability of some investors to handle higher valuations in things like tech stocks. So those investors have been switching, selling tech and using the money to buy big industrial companies. Like arguably, baby, what may be the early stock story of the year? That is Ford. I know we're only two days into the year, but Ford shares are up 17% since Monday. And we'll take a bit of a victory lap on this one. Ford stock up a full 20% since we featured it on our December 17th insider buying segment. That is when Bill Ford Jr. bought $8.5 million that week. He exercised options for more. We told you about it. And that stock has soared since then. If you need it, maybe, you know, one more reason to watch or listen to Wex. All right, let's get another reason to listen. That is our global focus. And our friends and colleagues like Juliana Tatelbaum in our London newsroom with the latest on how they are doing on this Wednesday. Juliana, good morning. Brian, good morning, and I would certainly agree with you there. Um, European markets this morning started out on the back foot, but positive momentum has been building throughout the course of the trading session, and now the majority of regions in Europe are trading higher. We've got the German index out in front, up about six-tenths of a percent. The French market up about four-tenths. Italian, Spanish, and U.K. equities also marching higher. The Swiss market underperforming, but just a touch below the flat line. Now, investors are continuing to watch COVID case numbers rise, but taking comfort in the fact that that 
that link between cases and fatalities seems to be uh, broken, at least uh, according to the data we have so far. But one country has taken focus this morning that's taken a very different approach to COVID than the rest of the world, and that is China and Hong Kong, uh, what is happening there. So this morning, Hong Kong announced that it is tightening COVID restrictions. As Chief Executive Carrie Lam warns, the city is on the verge of another COVID outbreak. From January 8th, flights from eight locations, Australia, Canada, France, India, Pakistan, Philippines, the UK, and the United States will be banned from arriving into the city. Lam also tightened rules within the city, closing bars, gyms, nightclubs, and karaoke, shutting restaurants at 6 p.m., and limiting tables to two people, and admitted these new restrictions would disrupt residents. The territory is sticking by its zero-tolerance policy. The uh, Asian markets did close up shop before these announcements came through, but it was a negative session. Nevertheless, Hong Kong dollar holding steady now versus the U.S. dollar this morning, but uh, certainly something to watch. Brian, we'll hand it back over to you. Every time they go for the zero COVID policy and lockdown, it succeeds for a while, Julian, and then it seems like it it doesn't. Then they lock down again. It's this bizarre cycle over there. We'll see. Juliana, thank you. All right. Thoughts out to a lot of our friends there in Hong Kong. All right. Let's get now to some of this morning's other top stories. Bertha Coombs now is here. And Bertha, you've got a COVID update as well, because of course we do. Of course we do. But first, Brian, let's talk about uh, shares of China Mobile surging in their Shanghai debut one year after being delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. That move in the world's largest telecom company by subscribers also reflected, though to a much milder extent, in Hong Kong trading shares as well, those uh, closing up more than 3% on the day. China Mobile raised $7.7 billion with the listing, also announcing it will buy back up to 10% of its Hong Kong listed shares. Meantime, the CDC declining to require a negative test to end isolation in amending its latest guidance, the agency adding Tuesday that people who have contracted coronavirus can take a rapid antigen test if one is available and if they want to after a five-day isolation period, stopping far short of making an outright recommendation to test. Meantime, Google's top leaders are getting a salary boost for 2022, along with some hefty stock rewards. In a filing with the SEC, Alphabet says it approved new compensation packages for finance chief Ruth Porat, legal head Ken Walker, and several other key executives, including the head of search. Their base salaries will increase from $650,000 to $1 million in some cases. The executives also receiving stock awards valued at between $23 million and $35 million, split between performance-based equity and stock that vests over time. I'm not sure how well that's going to go over with the rank and file, Brian, because they were told they were not getting automatic increases this year. I'm not sure it matters much to Google or Alphabet's management. All I'm thinking about, Bertha, is the fact that you and I are of a certain age where basically we were in our probably, what, late teens, early 20s when the Internet was created. And I'm just thinking, I should have been in the Internet. (laughs) Well, I actually moved into business news because I wanted to get into the Internet did a streaming service and you know here we are back to back to where we started where streaming and business news are hot again I, I you know what it all comes full circle as well and don't lie to me bro i know you had a prodigy or a CompuServe email address 
by the way, which is, which is a badge of honor. <laughs> Lycos. I, I Coons at Lycos.net. Okay. I did have an AOL. A few an AOL. <laughs> Some people still, by the way, my aunt still does and uses it every single day. Works just fine. Bertha, thank you. <laughs> True story. That stands for America Online, folks. All right, back down to the markets. Get this. The S&P 500, of course, has risen the first two days of the year. And while we certainly don't want to get way ahead of ourselves, let's get way ahead of ourselves. Why not? There is a Wall Street axiom called the five-day rule. It holds that if the S&P 500 goes up in the first five trading days of the year, it will also end the year higher. Now, that may sound like some old wives' tale, but listen to this. So-called five-day rule actually has a pretty remarkable 80% win rate. In other words, 80% of the time, the S&P 500 goes up the first five days of January, we end the year higher. That's pretty good. It's not 100%, but it's still pretty good. Do note, though, it has failed twice in just the past seven years, 2015 and 2018. And of course, just by mentioning it, we jinxed it. Let's bring in now Lee Baker, owner and president of Apex Financial uh, Lee, it's good to have you back on the program. Happy New Year as well. I mean, we, these things, it's history. Some people care, some people don't. Do you, or is it just some kind of neat little historical thing we can pay attention to for fun? It, it's just a neat thing we can pay attention to for fun. You know, uh, you know, my family history, yeah. there's a lot of old wives' tales uh, that abound, and, and I would put this right there uh, along with them. You know, it's something interesting to talk about. Uh, you know, an 80% win rate is good, but I think it's really just something interesting to talk about. Yeah, it's like if the dog comes in on a Wednesday before it's raining, it's going to snow on Friday. But still, there is some historical background to it. I think it goes more to the idea, Lee, that there is momentum, right? That you sort of start the year off with some optimism. We've seen that this year at least in energy, oil and gas, industrials, not so much in tech. What do you make so far of how we've begun the year? So I, I think the year is off to a, a good start, clearly. Uh, I think the momentum is there for this to be a positive year. Uh, now, again, you want to talk about getting far ahead. Do I think we're going to be sitting here in December of 2022 uh, looking back on 20 plus percent, uh, you know, uh, positive in the markets? No, I do not. I just don't see that. But I do think the momentum is there for a, a positive year in the markets and the economy in general. Uh, there's some tail risk, if you will, some things that I think could knock us off of our skis. But overall, I think uh, we're set up for another positive year. Yeah. Is there any particular part of the market you like? Are you are you a believer or a buyer in this rotation that we have seen the last few trading days, Lee, out of tech yeah. into like Chevron. Absolutely a believer in the uh, rotation and the value. You know, you've got this rotation again, Chevron, those sorts of things. Uh, we still have that pent up demand issue uh, where uh, the pricing pressures, you know, the, the, the supply chain disruption, that's going to really come to bear uh, in these industrial sectors with some of the names you've got showing here. Now, that having been said, I am not calling for some huge drop-off in the likes of Apple and Microsoft, uh, but I think things are very positive uh, for some of the names that you're flashing on the screen here. Absolutely. Yeah, you wonder how much this rate shock, rate rise, rate move is going to take. What we've learned about the bond market, Lee, in the last few years is that it doesn't move a lot, 
But when it does, it tends to move quickly in just a couple of days and then just kind of sit there almost like a super tanker. You know, when it doesn't Absolutely. move much, but when it does, it leaves a lot in its wake. Do you think the 10-year may be done moving or is it going to go even higher? I, I think we're probably done moving and we've entered one of those uh, scenarios you described where it's just kind of sitting there like a super tanker for a while. You know, the, the information that this is based on, uh, it's kind of out there. You know, I, I think back to probably about a year and a half or so I was on with you and I said, hey, listen, uh, normal metrics don't matter. I think 2022 is the year that we get back to normal metrics actually mattering as uh, uh, Omicron and all those other variants, hopefully, fade into the background. And this is the year that I think we really do uh, get to the other side of COVID, if you will. Yeah, hard to see how we don't, but uh, trying to be sunny side up Sullivan over here. Lee Baker, we appreciate you getting up early. Thanks for coming on. Happy New Year again, Lee. We'll see you in a few days. Appreciate Thank you, man. Cheers. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. We have got a lot more to do when we come back on this busy Wednesday. Why Tesla needs to watch its back, but maybe not from a company you might think. Plus, details beyond the Beyond Meat stock bump and comments from the CEO. And later on, what's crypto going to do this year? Well, we'll talk about that and where this crazy world of NFTs may be headed. A lot more to do. Futures mixed. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. Las Vegas is packed right now. Some of you may be, well, still up and watching the show. Now, Vegas may be not as crowded as it could be, but it is still very busy. That is because the 2022 Consumer Electronics Show is going on. Despite many companies like those bailing out because of, you know, the, the pandemic, many hundreds or thousands of others are going to be there and in person. And like the CES usually does, we're already swimming in some headlines from semiconductors to autonomous cars. Here are a few of the big ones. Sony says it is creating a company to explore entering the EV market called Sony Mobility. The group unveiling a new concept, all-electric SUV called the Vision S2. All that is Chrysler says it plans to go all-electric in just six years. And not to be outdone, GM said to unveil its Ford F-150 Lightning competitor, an all-electric Chevy Silverado pickup. Now the chip bowl also overflowing with new products like from AMD, NVIDIA, and Intel. And a bunch of non-traditional CS companies are also there like mattress maker Sleep Number. 
Joining us now to talk about more and all of this, CNN editor-at-large, Scott Stein. Scott, uh, good morning. I know you couldn't be there. Uh, a lot of people are there. A lot of people are not there. It's going to be sort of a compressed format, but still could see some big headlines. What are you most excited about? Well, CES is always a little bit weird to me because I feel like companies always hold stuff back. You know, every year I feel, even in a normal CES, you have companies like Samsung talking about one thing, but they'll have lots of events throughout the year. And with the number of companies that have, have pulled back their presence at the show, I think it's even more of a sense that we'll see things even in the weeks to come that we may not see here. That being said, it looks like a lot of initiatives are being discussed. And you mentioned cars. That's always a huge one. Chips are also really big. We've already seen a number of announcements on the expected new GPUs, processors. Um, with the amount that people have been working from home and, and the existing uh, shortages on chips, you can see both the interest but also the question of how these will become available. Uh, the other big discussion, uh, which I've heard a lot about covering it, is uh, everything involving the metaverse. Uh, ever since Facebook renamed itself, there was a resurgence of interest in that. Companies had already been working on AR and VR and, and a lot of interconnected strategies for the past few years. We've been seeing um, a lot of movement in that. Sony talked about more details for its VR headset last night. Um, Microsoft and Qualcomm just announced a partnership to work on a next generation of smart glasses and custom chips. And yeah. there are a lot of little steps along those ways that I feel like are, are being talked about. NVIDIA sees its graphics and processing and 3D technology as being one of the things to build those 3D common standards for things like the metaverse. So to me, it is a lot of catchphrases. I, I feel like... Not as many people able to demo stuff. So that's another thing. Yeah. It is. But I feel like Scott, by the way, just reading Scott, and I'm going to read you back to you, looking at who is who is there. It's kind of going back to the future in a way, right? You talked about CPUs and GPUs and graphics and computers and feel like we're going back to almost a hardware focus. Who's got the fastest internet Wi-Fi? Who can make sure we can work from home? It kind of goes to the pandemic trend, does it not? A lot of products and things I normally wouldn't really talk about, but because many of us are working at home, we suddenly realized, oh my gosh, my internet stinks. Yeah, well, you know, like the, the headlining Samsung product from last night might be their projector, which is, you know, this little, little, uh, kind of cannon-shaped projector that uh, caught a lot of people's excitement. <laughs> That's because we're showing stuff at home and having, you know, backyard movies and things. Um, you're right. A lot of router talk, a lot of things where, you know, routers may have better connectivity by readjusting antennas, uh, gaming monitors, and that's exactly it. Uh, not just people working from home in the short term, but there's just been a lot of movement in, in that space and people are, are interested in buying things and, and, and getting things set up properly. So, yeah, I think that is true. Yeah, and as you pointed out, I think it's called Sleep Number. It used to be called Select Comfort. Even the mattress maker is there. It's perfect, Scott. We've got a new mattress. We've got a new monitor, a projector. We can just lay in bed all day and watch movies. Sounds good to me. Scott Stein, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. All right, take care. All right, and by the way, do not miss CNBC's first on CNBC's first on interview. First on interview with GMCO Mary Barra. That's at 2.15 p.m. Eastern Time today. It's also first on CNBC. Anyway, still on deck. The nightmare in Virginia finally coming to an end. Some drivers 
stuck in their cars nearly 30 hours after a snowstorm. The very latest on that scary situation. Plus, hospitalized for COVID or hospitalized with COVID. There is a big debate about the numbers right now. We'll go on the ground to find out what's happening at one major New Jersey hospital and why Omicron is not the strain that you need to worry about. Plus, the rather odd stock that Warren Buffett's number two man is buying up at a breakneck pace. All that when Worldwide Exchange rolls on right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, welcome or welcome back. One of your big money movers today is going to be Beyond Meat. Shares are rising on news. It is teaming up with Yum Brands' KFC for some new alt-meat offerings. Let's talk about it. CNBC's Kate Rogers has more on what will soon be hitting menus. KFC is going to be rolling out Beyond Meat fried chicken breasts nationwide starting next Monday. This comes after several years of tests that were successful for the two brands. It'll be available for a limited time in nearly 4,000 locations. I spoke with Beyond Meat CEO Ethan Brown as well as KFC's U.S. president who both expressed confidence about the upcoming launch, particularly the muscle mimicking of a chicken product that is plant-based. Take a listen. We didn't want to just provide another form chicken to the market. What we wanted to do is get that muscle structure right so that when people bid into the product, it has that whole muscle tissue uh, experience for them that they would get with chicken breast. Nearly a year ago, Beyond announced a formal partnership with Yum to make exclusive meat substitutes for Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC. Beyond also brought on two Tyson execs in December in COO and Chief Supply Chain Officer roles. Now, both Beyond and KFC execs pointed to changing consumer preferences and good timing in January for this anticipated product launch. You know, 90% of the customers that are buying, you know, Beyond and plant-based proteins in the grocery also eat meat. So they're using it as a way to reduce the amount of animal-based protein in their diets. And, you know, we think it's bigger than just a trend. Chipotle also added a new plant-based chorizo for a limited time this past Monday. So certainly not a trend if you're looking across the fast food and QSR space. Back over to you. And it looks pretty good, especially at this hour. Hungry for breakfast. Our thanks to Kate Rogers for that. All right. Well, let's get a check down on some of this morning's other top headlines, including what could be a tough day for many Chicago kids and parents as their schools close once again. NBC's Vanita Nair is in New York with that and more. Vanita, good morning. Brian, good morning to you. That's right. Chicago public schools are closed today after the teachers union voted to temporarily transition to remote learning. Seventy three percent of union members voted in favor of working remotely. But the Chicago public school system is not accepting this and instead decided to cancel classes. Mayor Lori Lightfoot likened the stalemate to the movie Groundhog Day. 
Virginia officials say they were overwhelmed by the intensity of the snowstorm that brought traffic to a standstill for more than a day. The cause, nearly a foot of snow that fell on the Washington, D.C. area. The governor announced overnight that Interstate 95 has finally been cleared, but says the roads are still dangerous and that travel should be avoided. America will have to wait to hear former President Trump's thoughts about the Capitol riot anniversary. In a statement, Donald Trump announced he was canceling his January 6th press conference at his resort in Mar-a-Lago. The 45th president blamed the House committee investigating the attack on the Capitol and said that he would instead address these important topics at a rally in Arizona on January 15th. Meantime, the House committee investigating the events of that day now say they want to talk to Sean Hannity. The panel sent a letter to the Fox News host asking for his voluntary cooperation, saying he had advanced knowledge regarding President Trump and his legal team's planning for January 6th. Last month, the committee revealed texts that Hannity sent to the then White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. During the riot, they urged Mr. Trump to intervene. The panel says Hannity is in possession of dozens of other relevant text messages. An attorney for Hannity, meanwhile, said any request for cooperation would raise serious constitutional issues, including First Amendment concerns regarding freedom of the press. And Novak Djokovic is drawing sharp criticism after announcing he received a medical exemption from being vaccinated to play in the Australian Open. The exemption was granted by Tennis Australia and the Victorian state government. But the country's prime minister fired back today, saying he will need to prove he has a genuine medical exemption when he lands in Australia or he will, quote, be on the next plane home. Brian, back to you. All right, Vanita, it's good to see you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, we've got a lot more to do here on WEX. Straight ahead, why two trading days into 2022, it has been all about cars, oil, and Shark Week. Yes, Shark Week. We'll explain next. Will the great rotation roll on or will big tech make a big time comeback to start the year? We'll find out. Jeff Kilberg is here. The CDC updating quarantine guidelines yet again. All this as hospitals fill up. So what do you really need to know right now? We cut through the confusion with the head of one major New Jersey hospital. And your morning RBI backs up the truck with new info on the states. Residents are racing in the streets to get out. It is all happening on this Wednesday, July 5th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody. Hope you're having a good start to your Wednesday or maybe a good end if you're all the way across the world in Asia. Thanks for joining us. Here's how your money and investments look right now as we are, yeah, just one minute over the halfway mark. It is 5.31 a.m. if you are counting. All right, it has been a rather amazing rotation in equities to begin the year. Energy and industrials have been seeing buyers flock in. In fact, the average oil and gas stock is up 10% already this year in just two days. They've been selling some tech to do it. Some of your top six stocks in the S&P 500 to begin the year and see if you can spot a trend. Minus one. The top stock is Ford. By the way, we told you about that and highlighted it December 17th in our insider buying segment. We told you Bill Ford Jr., bought eight and a half million shares. That was December 17th. If you'd followed the namesake Bill Ford Jr., you're actually up 20%. You're welcome. Second best stock, Occidental Petroleum. Then you got Shark Week, Discovery Networks. That's why we threw that one in there. We got General Motors and oil and gas services companies, Halliburton and Schlumberger, 
rounding out some of the top stocks this year. So really, it's, it's been about cars and oil and streaming Shark Week. Five out of the six, maybe, seem to make sense. All right, let's, let's get now to some of this morning's other top headlines, including Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's number two, making a bigger bet on one Chinese e-commerce giant. Bertha's back with that. And this is not the kind of name, Bertha, that I would have thought Charlie Munger would have been buying. Yeah, it's very interesting, Brian. Munger's publishing and technology company Daily Journal nearly doubling its stake in Alibaba. Company revealing in a regulatory filing that it raised its holdings to just over 602,000 shares, making its stake worth around $72 million as of yesterday. Munger has long been bullish on China, and even as he's bullish on Alibaba, he has previously applauded the country's crackdown on Jack Ma's ant group. While Daily Journal added more Alibaba, it did not change its positions in other investments, including Bank of America, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank Corp., or South Korean steelmaker POSCO. Meantime, Boeing is reportedly set to make a roughly $5 billion deal for its, 700, for its 737 MAX jets. That, according to Reuters, Allegiant Air is preparing to order 50 of the planes. The report says the move comes as the low-cost U.S. airline eyes a rebound in tourism and marks a shift from its previous strategy of buying secondhand planes at cheaper prices. And Fed Chairman Jay Powell set to make his first public appearance of the new year when he goes before lawmakers next week. The Senate Banking Committee will take up Powell's renomination Tuesday and will hold another hearing two days later to consider the nomination of Fed Governor Lael Brainerd to be vice chair. And Brian, uh, while discussing the central bank yesterday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that President Biden is making diversity a priority when it comes to picking other Fed leaders. Back over to you. Charlie Munger with Alibaba. I mean, he's not, he's 97 years old. I remember Buffett, you remember this, Bertha. We were at the NASDAQ together. I think when he said this, I don't buy stocks and companies I don't understand. Yeah. You know, and Alibaba is one well, of the I most difficult to companies in the world now, to understand. Right? I, I yeah. guess. It's, in, it's interesting that would, even as never... he... he Go ahead. You, you know, after, ladies first. Well, I, I just find it very interesting that even as he effectively doubles down on Alibaba, he was still saying to the government it was okay to crack down on ant groups. So he, he has real interesting dichotomy of views there. Yeah. He thinks his own way. We'll say that. 97 years or 98 years old. Bertha Coombs, thank you. All right, let's switch gears now to the latest on COVID and the seemingly constantly changing guidelines. The CDC reiterating you do not have to take a negative test to end isolation for a positive COVID result, but then amending that saying, yes, you could take one if you want, but that, of course, is if you can find one. Now, this latest twist comes as tests are still difficult, if not impossible, to find in parts of the United States, like New Jersey, with pharmacies both sold out and online. Walmart and Kroger announcing they will be also raising the price of their at-home COVID tests as they deal with the White House to sell the kits as the cost expires. That deal had been in place in September. Walmart is raising the price for its Abbott Labs Binax test from 14 to nearly 20, and Kroger pricing theirs. At 24. Now, in New Jersey, 
where it's reporting a sharp increase in hospitalizations, crossing 5,000 for the first time since the very earliest days of the pandemic. The state's seven-day average for positive tests at the highest of the entire pandemic by triple. New Jersey is also seeing its highest number of pediatric COVID hospitalizations with 102 kids admitted across New Jersey's 71 hospitals. The most recent New Jersey data suggests the newer Omicron variant is not the problem, only accounting for about 14% of positive cases. Joining us now to make sense of all of this is Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, president and CEO of University Hospital in Newark. And doctor, uh, really need your guidance and your insight at this critical time because uh, it's confusing. I don't know if you follow me on social media. I've been trying to make sense of the data. I've kind of almost given up. It's tough. What are you seeing on the ground right now? Thanks so much for having me. So the first thing is that with the Omicron variant, which is the main thing we're facing in our region now and in actually many areas of the country, uh, it is a less severe variant. And so uh, tracking cases as the primary metric doesn't make as much sense anymore in terms of risk to society, risk to people's health. Tracking hospitalizations and other metrics that show healthcare demand based on infections uh, is more important than even when you look down at hospitalizations. As of yesterday, our hospital had 115 people with COVID-19 out of about 360 beds. 60% of those happened to incidentally test positive because they were here for other things. And 40% were actually sick with COVID-19 in our hospital. And so even within the hospitalization data, if there was a more systematic way of tracking hospitalizations due to COVID illness and disease due to COVID, that would be a bit more informative because those would actually be additive in terms of the cases and the strain on hospitals. That said, we are in a very, very significant staffing shortage because Anybody who has an Omicron case, asymptomatic, mild or not, has to be out of work for at least five days, according to the new CDC guidelines. And unless you have staff taking care of you at a bed, that bed doesn't mean much when it comes to healthcare capacity. And so that's what we're contending with right now. And that's my most immediate concern. This is so important. And uh, Dr. K, let's go into that first part about hospitalizations, because as we, we've been talking about it, by the way, for months on this show, that cases are not a great metric anymore. We are a data-driven network. In your hospital, and God, by the way, again, God bless all the workers and you and everybody else that's just putting in hours I can't even imagine. How many of those COVID patients are there because of COVID or are there with COVID, were there for something else, but then have the incidental positive test or somewhere in the middle? There for something else with COVID comprises 60% of the patients in our hospital who have COVID-19 as of yesterday. And 40% are actually there because of illness due to COVID. And that is a much different breakdown than what we were seeing certainly earlier in the pandemic when folks that we had to admit with COVID-19 were certainly there with respiratory issues or other complications directly related to their infection. So that speaks to the lower severity of Omicron, but it also speaks to our estimates on strain for hospital capacity, because logically you're really only concerned about that 40% when it comes to overall system capacity. That said, operationally at hospitals, you still have to worry about isolating patients with COVID-19, making sure you have the right PPE, even if they're not there for that reason. And so it's still good to track overall hospitalizations for that reason as well. 
Okay, and this is a critical point too, but just because 60% may be with COVID, that's not, I'm assuming, doctor, we can't just say, well, they wouldn't be there otherwise. They're in that 60%. There may be people who have other problems as to why they're there, but COVID perhaps has exacerbated them to make them go to the hospital. It's not a clean-cut differentiation, is it? That's very true, and it all depends on how you define they're with COVID, COVID or they're because of COVID. That 60% denominator could include folks who have a clinical problem even after they've got gotten over their COVID infection, but that problem is related to having dealing with a fever and being at home and maybe becoming dehydrated. And so it does get a little bit murky. But what I can say is that the folks coming in with respiratory disease, the classic symptoms of COVID-19, low oxygen levels in their blood, that breakdown has actually gotten a lot less with this latest wave, which is encouraging because that has everything to do with ventilator demand, ICU demand, and everything that we've been contending with this whole pandemic. You mentioned something at the top, and again, it's early and it's easy to be confused at this time about the quarantine times. And I think all of us probably watching know somebody that's tested positive. We're trying to figure out what to do about the quarantine. So here's my question, doctor. If if I break my leg and I come into your hospital and, and I come in and I need to stay overnight, it's a bad break. I test positive for COVID, but I don't have any symptoms. You guys patch me up, you know, fix my leg, put the cast on. Am I stuck at your hospital for five days? Absolutely not. So when you are ready to be discharged clinically, when you are feeling better and when it is safe for you to go home or wherever you live afterward, we will send you home, whether that is day two or day four or day eight. So uh, you're not bound to being in a hospital just because of the isolation guidelines. All the isolation guidelines are is guidance for basically how long you remain away from others, whether that's at home or in an institution. Okay, so the the reason I was asking that was I wondered if it was preventing you from discharging patients when they were ready because they had to sit there for five days until that guidance ended. Sounds like that's not the case. Exactly. Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, University Hospital, uh, doing God's work. Sharif, uh, we appreciate it so much. Uh, Thank you for joining us, cutting through some of the confusion. Take care. Thank you. All right, coming up, from COVID to crypto, Bitcoin finding itself stuck in a rut recently as it fights back to get above 50,000 again. We're going to break down what might be in store for cryptos and that funky NFT market. But as we head to break, some of your other top headlines on this Wednesday, Wells Fargo's chief risk officer has announced she is stepping down. Mandy Norton, who has been a key figure in the bank's efforts to improve risk controls amid a series of scandals, will leave Wells at the end of June. Walmart expanding its direct-to-fridge delivery service in-home to 30 million, up from the current 6 million. Walmart is also hiring 3,000 people to support the expansion. And the Las Vegas Raiders are reportedly eyeing one of the casino industry's top execs to help lead the football team that, according to the New York Post, Raiders are weighing hiring outgoing Win Resort CEO Matt Maddox to be its president. It won't matter because they're going to lose to the Chargers this weekend. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Let's talk crypto. Bitcoin has been stuck in a range really between 45000 and 52000 for about the past month. Kind of a rare, bland moment for Bitcoin. 
New data courtesy of TradingView shows that Bitcoin dominance, though, its measures its market cap relative to the total crypto market dropped under 40% yesterday. That's actually the lowest level since May of 2018. In other words, other coins are getting bigger. Now, Goldman Sachs is not done with Bitcoin. They think Bitcoin can go to over 100000 bucks over time. That's as adoption increases for what they call a store of value, maybe taking some of the market share from gold. Let's talk more now about this, the NFT market and everything else. Ian Bellina, founder and CEO of Token Metrics. Ian, thanks for joining us here. A lot of our viewers own crypto, are curious about crypto. What has been the trend the last couple of weeks or recently that has stuck out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, so crypto has been going more mainstream. Other asset classes on crypto have been building up for metaverse, DAOs, NFTs. And now crypto is not just purely about layer one and blockchain and crypto assets. It's not really about the next internet, Web 3.0. And in that sense, it's now building an ownership economy where people can now own the data and really become part of the next Internet. And that's, been, that's happening all purely through crypto. Yeah, and I think, I think why people are so bullish on Bitcoin in part is because, Ian, they heard that this army of, you know, investment advisors, you know, the people who basically, you know, I know you used to work at IBM. You'd, you'd make some money, you'd go to your wealth advisor, and they'd say, Ian, you need to put this much in stocks and bonds, that all these people are being trained now to advise their customers on crypto. Are we seeing more adoption of crypto by non-typical crypto buyers? These are not early adopters. These are like people's ants that are saying, I'm gonna throw 2% into, my, into a crypto fund. Yes, absolutely. So crypto has crossed the chasm. Crypto, crypto now is essentially a mainstream. And when I travel to, to conferences around the world from Portugal, New York, I'm seeing more and more people who are never in crypto, never investors, never in, never in tech, adopting crypto. Crypto has crossed the chasm, and now people view crypto as something as the next technology of the next internet. And it's something RIAs, wealth managers cannot really ignore because their customers are clamoring for crypto. And I know it's early, Ian, and Web 3.0 is a, is a very complicated topic. A lot of our viewers are just waking up having coffee saying, what, 3.0? But tell us where things like Ethereum 2.0 and NFTs may play in this, in this Web 3 that many really smart people are working to build out. Yeah, so Ethereum is scaling with ETH 2.0 and NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are really building digital scarcity. Being able, being able to verify scarcity on a blockchain without trust. And this allows people who are creatives in, the, in this creator economy, in this Web 3 world, to now partake in the Internet. Ian Bellina of Token Metrics, uh, research firm devoted to this for the last couple of years. By the way, you've been around since 2018, which makes you like one of the first players in the space. Ian, we appreciate you getting up early and coming on Worldwide Exchange. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Web 3.0. Folks, if you want to blow your mind, start reading about Web 3.0. All right, as we head to break, a gentle nudge. Be sure to catch the return of American Greed, looking at the dark side of the American dream. A new season kicks off tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern on CNBC. We're going to be right back with our friend Jeff Kilberg, who is warmed up and ready to take a victory lap. Stick around. Back. Let's bring in our friend Jeff Kilberg. He is the chief investment officer of Sanctuary Wealth. And if you remember a few weeks ago when everybody was sort of grim before the Santa Claus rally, Jeff, you came out, you said, folks, stay long, stay strong. And buy the dip, 
You were right, my friend. Take the victory lap you deserve. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it. I want to take too big of a victory lap because I've been humbled many times over my 25-year career. But nonetheless, I think the biggest risk we saw in 2021 was not being invested. And when you do see these opportunities, these moments in time where we do have a little bit of fear, we saw the VIX spike, that was the opportunity to stay invested or actually rotate into sectors. And that's been the biggest theme. If we look at yesterday's theme, Sully, what a dispersion between energy and technology. 5%, one of the biggest dispersions. So I think the opportunity in 2022 is I remain constructive and optimistic is the fact that you have to be exposed to certain sectors that are not only going to produce alpha, but you have to stay away from certain sectors. Look at 2021, owning utilities, owning consumer staples. That was a lag to your portfolio. Well, there's no way this pace, the rotation can continue, Jeff. I mean, it's been amazing. The average oil and gas stocks up 10% in two days. I mean, even if you're bullish oil and gas, that's unsustainable. Well, it is Shark Week, Sully, and you can see this this rotation really take a bite out of the stock market. And nonetheless, if we look at the last nice. five years, if you look at the growth versus value, growth is outperformed by over 12%. It's been up 22% versus value, which is about 9.8%. So that in itself, to use another analogy for you, Sully, I know you love these early morning analogies, but think about a race car engine, all that torque that's built up in the system. It has to be released. So I think absolutely you can see more velocity, a more severe sector rotation in the next couple of weeks, because right now in the month of January, people are repositioning. When you see these algorithms come in and really take advantage of this repositioning, you do get acceleration. That type of acceleration can produce a little yeah. bit of of an upset stomach, but nonetheless, it's providing opportunities. So look at some of the names inside of transport. Look at regional banks. Look at semiconductors. We're not throwing away technologies. We just have to be very selective about what technology we want to own for 2022. I'll give you another analogy. The Greenland shark, the world's longest living creature. They'll be 450 years old. They're the slowest swimmers in the ocean. Look it up. It's true. They're about 20 feet long. They barely move. That's why they live so long. When they do, they can move rather quickly if they need to. The point is, that feels like the bond market, Jeff, to me, is that it kind of sat there, and the first two days this year, it moved violently. My point was that the 10-year yield did it. Everything else kind of had to rebalance in its wake. There's no way that that 10-year yield is going to be 2% by the end of next week. That's right. And I believe in bond leadership, right? Let's go back to my decades in the trading pits in Chicago when I traded the 10-year note. I think it's really important to understand that bond leadership. And yes, some people blame that severe move out of technology into energy, into banks yesterday due to the move higher in the 10-year note. But I think you have to look at the context. Look through the proper lens. The 10-year note is still tethered to 1.5%. That's by design. The Federal Reserve does not want to see a 2% or higher interest rate on the 10-year due to the fact that they own so much. The one thing we don't talk enough about is their $9 trillion balance sheet. Therefore, I'm a big believer that we will see the 10-year note stay subdued, stay under 2%, actually tethered to 1.5%. And that's going to allow not just some of the other stocks, these blue-chip tangible names that people have kind of forgotten about, but it's also technology, but owning in an equal-weighted manner. So yeah. you have to be very strategic on how you own stocks this year. Really critical to performance. Good stuff. Great advice. As always, Jeff Kilberg of Sanctuary Wealth had a great call in the middle of December when things were, were looking tough. He gave us hope. Jeff, have a great day, my friend. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Happy New Year, pal. All right, folks. Yeah, didn't have time for the RBI today. We'll do it tomorrow. It's one you're going to want to hear. We'll see you that then for that. Whatever. Squawk Box is next. Have a great Wednesday. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.